everybody, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand-Ups. I'm Ari Azizian, and I uh, just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for listening, you know? A lot of you guys have been subscribing recently, and you've been writing some awesome reviews on iTunes, and I really appreciate it, you know? Thanks thanks for listening all this time, and if you're listening for the first time, thank you, you know? This is, thank you so much. Yeah, I know you could listen to anything, so thanks. I don't want to waste your time, but thank you. we got an awesome episode coming up for you today. And, uh, hey, be sure to subscribe to Sit Down with Stand-Ups on your smartphones. If you got an iPhone, just go to the Purple Podcast app and search Sit Down with Stand-Ups. And uh, that's Sit Down with Stand-Ups. I know it's a tongue twister, but it makes sense, I promise. And uh, click subscribe and stay updated with all the new episodes. Just a new episode will just pop up on your phone every Monday. It'll just come up, and you just press play. And when you're done, delete it, throw in the trash. You don't need it anymore. And if you got an if you got an Android, if you got an Android, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, maybe maybe you know you should have you should have gotten the iPhone. I don't know. Who knows? You messed up. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, just uh, go to Podcast Republic or Podcast Addict. I think that's the uh, the name for those apps in the Android, and just search uh, "sit down stand ups" and it should be there too. All right, guys. My guest today is the amazing Blake Voigt. Blake is a phenomenal magician, and he was recently on Penn & Teller's Fool Us, and he's a regular at the Comedy Magic Club and the Magic Castle. He's one of the most unique magicians I've ever seen. If you ever get a chance to see him live, definitely do it. This guy's awesome, and what an amazing life. He got hired by David Copperfield when he was a freshman in college. That's like 18 years old. I just figured out how to do laundry for the first time at that age, and this guy's helping David Copperfield come up with tricks in Las Vegas. He's amazing this guy i've he knows every trick in the book we were just hanging around and i gave him a whoopee cushion that says sit down with stand-ups on it and i said hey you know just like jokingly hey could you make a trick with that and he just off the top of his head just three seconds comes up with a trick and i was blown away this guy i mean literally can make magic with anything he's a true magician this guy is really one of the best and we talked about his love for music and he's helped so many great musicians with their effects for concerts he helped out like kanye and pharrell and all these great guys. He's just an awesome dude. And don't be surprised if you see him on all the late night shows in the future. This guy is going to be the main act in Vegas one of these days. I, I swear. So so sit tight. Here's my interview with Blake Voigt. Yeah, so you, you help musicians with yep. like some magic stuff? or Yeah, for some live elements to their touring stage show so okay. like i helped kanye west and no way avici and pharrell are the musicians yeah. <laughs> i worked with yeah what'd, what'd you help them with so like for their shows you know their music's amazing but whenever people go to see them live more and more musicians are looking into other art forms for consultants right. to like uh help spruce up the live like visual elements of the shows yeah so that was kind of what I was helping with. Did you like get to meet Kanye and like? Yeah, it was actually my friend Dan White, who's a great magician, mm-hmm. and he was hired and then brought me on to help him, and we got to sit around with him while he was putting together the Yeezus tour, which was really That's cool. Rad, yeah. yeah, That's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> what, what other music are you into? You got the record player right here. Uh, I really love it all. Yeah. There's not really. I'm not like the biggest fan of country, but other than that. <laughs> um, I'm I'm love it all. That's so, so cool. I yeah. just saw actually a video of uh, David Blaine doing magic for Kanye like, oh, in his yeah. house. Yep. So he like pretty awesome. probably loves all that. Did you get to like do any tricks for him and stuff? I actually or? didn't. You know, it, it ended up being more like 
what's really interesting with musicians now is the more and more that magic is being developed, people are starting to see it as an art form yeah. as opposed to just like magicians pulling rabbits out of hats right, and right, like, yeah, totally. uh, big shiny boxes. So we were there mainly um, just discussing like visually interesting elements of the show. So we weren't necessarily showing him magic tricks or putting tricks into the show. And then Dan actually got to go on tour with him yeah. for the Yeezus tour and was just helping him with all of the visual elements, which was really Dang, cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And Pharrell and Yep. And then Pharrell was interested in adding some stunts to his live show. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. And then a V. Do you know how to do like stunts and stuff too? Yeah, like big illusions okay. and stuff. So like we we were I said stunts, but I mean like the big illusion stuff where things disappear or van like appear yeah. and float and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It was fun. That, that like, how do you, cause like I, I talk to comics mostly, but I mm -hmm. love magic so much. Oh, and, like, cool. <laughs> I kind of understand how comics come up with material, yep. but I still don't really know how magicians create tricks. Like, I think it's sim. Um, it's probably similar. Yeah. I mean, um, whenever I'm coming up with a magic trick, I think you're just like influenced by other art forms and other mediums. And then it's just a lot of sitting around tinkering with stuff. You know, and you have to have like a solid um, foundation. So like when I was younger, I've learned all of the tricks in the books and all the classics of magic yeah. and all of the sleight of hand techniques and stuff. And then ever since then, it's just kind of trying to uh, tweak those okay. or bring them into... Like make the, them your own kind exactly. of? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So just doing the trick the way it was created originally enough times until you're changing it to fit your own style, I guess. Is it kind of like music? Kind of like you like learn Hendrix and yeah. like all those guys? Yeah, exactly. your own voice? Exactly. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Like your, uh, the linking, is it linking dollar? Oh yeah. What's the yep. actual name of it? Um, the one linking, you did on Penn and Yeah, Tell. linking bill. Linking or, bill. I don't know. I don't have a name. But it, it comes <laughs> from the linking ring, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, it was the linking rings, and then um, there was a famous trick where you do it with two playing cards. So you tear out the middles of two playing cards, and you link them and unlink oh. them. And my one, not problem, but one thing that I always thought would be cooler is if at the end they could keep the cards. And right. so yeah. like you link them and then you, they keep the cards. And so I did that for a while with playing cards. Mm. And then um, for that show and just magic in general, I feel like there's such a negative uh, thought when you start to do a card trick. Like I couldn't tell you the number of times <laughs> you start doing a card trick and somebody just immediately loses interest because they're like, oh, I've seen this one before. Oh. And, you know, there's yeah. thousands of card tricks. Right. But and they're, to an extent, they're right where a lot of card tricks start to look the same. So then... Uh, again, Dan White, the guy I uh, work with a lot, and I worked to turn it into a dollar bill trick. So Sweet. it wasn't necessarily a card trick, even though it's the same trick. And you could just use anybody's dollar exactly. like from the street. Exactly. And link them together. Yeah. That is so cool. That's and they get to keep one. it too? And they get to keep it at the end. Yeah. And there's... there. How here. long did it take you to come up with that? Uh, hold on. Oh, Going well, off mic for a second. Pause, yeah. <laughs> no way. This is so cool. So that's the one from Penn & Teller. Oh my, this is the actual one? That's the one. They let me keep it, which is cool. Did they sign it right here too? Yeah, so they each signed, during the trick for the show, they oh each signed God. a half because I didn't want them to think I was like switching it for a prepared. I'm afraid to hold this. this no, you can, you can check it out. Like they were examining it and they couldn't find 
like you know, because there should stuff? be a seam or something. No, which is this cool. This is amazing. Thanks for you guys listening at home. There, these are two dollars <laughs> that are just ripped in half and then a square cut out in each of them. Yeah, it's and hard to just, explain with words. <laughs> they're just linked. Like it makes no sense. This is, this is incredible. Thanks, man. I, I'm obsessed with like impossible objects as a theme yeah. and like magic. So. You know, a lot of tricks, when you see them, they're really hard to explain in words later. Right. Like, they might take you a while to explain what happened. But with an impossible object, if someone gets to keep it, like, uh, they would not have to say anything. They could just hand it to you and say, this happened. Yeah, like, and you can't describe it. I don't know how that happened. Well, what is, uh, sorry, I don't really know that well. No. But, like, what is an impossible? An impossible, impossible object? The impossible object. Yeah. Like, just as a, a theme... Like, I like making things or performing effects where, like, at the end, the object should not be able to exist. Okay. So, like, like this should not Yeah, that, those dollars here. should not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, like, some tricks where, you know, a bad example would be you tear a dollar bill in half mm -hmm. and then you put it back together. Um, at the end of the trick, it's a regular object. So, you could look right. at that restored bill and not understand what happened, but... Um, if you ripped a bill in half, yeah. turned one half the other direction, put it back together, now that object shouldn't exist. Like this is another one. What's this? Um, this is kind of hard to explain to the listeners, but this is a, uh, a wooden puzzle with a nail inside of it. Wait, how the hell did you get that? Exactly. <laughs> so the, the, it's an impossible object because the nail should not be able to be inside the wood. This is crazy. <laughs> Man, I got to get video on this podcast. That's so funny. It's so like, unexplainable. It's like maybe e like some photos or something. Yeah, I got to post Be associated. <laughs> Jesus. So, I mean, this looks like you totally made this out of wood, right? Yeah. You just carved I it out? Love, uh, my grandpa's a carpenter, so I worked with oh, him wow. on how to make that. Since you were a kid, did you just like hang out and like learn all that Obsessed, stuff? Obsessed, yeah. Um, Is one that where of, the magic sort of yeah, I mean, crossed over? I loved watching a magician when I was younger at a Pizza Hut when I was no way. eight years old. Who was that? Uh, Marcus Lehman Marcus in Lehman. Lebanon, Indiana. Okay. Insane magician. And he would just come table and do like so table side magic? So every Wednesday he would do magic at, uh, or not every Wednesday, once a month, on like the first Wednesday of every month, yeah. he would do magic at a Pizza Hut for a few hours. Dang. And one Wednesday, my family went and we saw him and it was like, end of story, like I had to see more. And then like every month we went back on that first Wednesday so I could see him. So I was eating Pizza Hut once a month. <laughs> and then I found out that every second Wednesday of every month, he was at the Pizza Hut one town over. The third oh, Wednesday, nice. he was at the Pizza Hut <laughs> over. So there was like legitimately a six just month period. All the Pizza Huts. Well, I got a different family. I was eight years old, so I got a different family member to take me on Wednesday to a different Pizza Hut in some town in Indiana. So I was seeing him every Wednesday, and then my ninth birthday, my parents hired him to do my birthday party. Yeah, and it was like sold game over yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um and then my one set of grandparents my grandpa's a carpenter and on my other set of grandparents my grandma uh, was really into origami oh so okay. still into origami and so that kind of it's where the linking yeah comes. paper folding and making things out of paper and wood into, like optical illusions love that too. yeah love that stuff okay I'm trying to think if i have this would be horrible to magic is horrible for podcasting. So. <laughs> Gotta get video. Uh, yeah, but um, the bags are kind of an optical illusion. Yep, that's the a good point. Paper bags. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do an effect where 
I create the optical illusion um, that I stack like uh, seven or eight bags on themselves yeah. instantly. So still From working. one bag, it's like yeah. towering. Yeah. yeah, still trying to work on that one. How long does it take, like for instance, the linking bills, like mm-hmm. how long did that take you to think of and create and implement? Well, I worked on that. It's It's hard because... I worked on the linking cards for like four years. Okay. And so um, over the course of four years, I wasn't working on it every day. But like uh, I had seen the effect before yeah. where you link two cards together. And then I wanted to do it. So the first step was learning every version that existed. Wow. Because I didn't want to spend hours and years recreating the wheel. Like if right. somebody had already come up with something... I didn't want to waste all my time <laughs> if, and then I'm not somebody who like, I don't not perform an effect because it's not mine mm-hmm. necessarily. Like if the method has already been created and it's really, really great, mm-hmm. I will perform it in a unique way. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Totally, yeah. So, but whenever I saw the linking cards, my big problem with it was that in no version, as far as I know, do you get to keep the end result because there's always you're always hiding something puts it back in his pocket yeah Yeah. or or at the end he tears it ah okay and hands it to you torn yeah and so like i always had a big problem (laughs) with that because the whole routine's amazing and then at the very end when you want to see it you can't you can't yeah that was my attempt so then i spent four years trying to solve that with uh playing cards and then the comical thing was that it took three hours to come up with the bill version. Really? <laughs> um, Dan White and I were in his apartment and uh, we sat on his couch for like three hours straight yeah. and just jammed it out and then it was done. So Wow. That was pretty cool. That's amazing. <laughs> that was a good day. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. How was that whole experience being on Penn and Teller? It was awesome. Yeah. They were really, really great. Was um, in Vegas? Yep, yep, in Vegas at the Rio. And I had worked with them before. So okay. um, I was on a show called Wizard Wars on oh, the nice. Sci-Fi Network. Yeah. And so I competed and I competed in the pilot that never aired. Okay. And then I competed in another episode that aired. So I got to meet them both times for that. And I'm pretty sure I fooled them both episodes. Yeah. But those were like my best ideas right. that I'd already shown them. And then I was kind of screwing myself over for the uh, the show where the whole goal is to fool them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a couple months before the Fool Us appearance, I met with Teller for like three hours. Oh, nice. And I showed him a lot of my tricks and how they worked. Yeah. And I showed him some similar build techniques. And uh, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done that <laughs> if I was going to go on the show. Um, but they were really, really nice um, during the judging of the show and said nice things, which was cool. Yeah, they loved it. Yeah, that was it's nice. It's such a great trick, too. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, so, so, you, so you got to work with them before. And yep. you, you also, I read that you worked with David Copperfield yeah. in Vegas. So um, right out of college, I moved to Vegas for a year. Sweet. And created magic for him wow. on his team for a year. That was pretty awesome. That's amazing. That was fun. Uh, he was amazing. He uh, was like the hardest working human being I've ever met. So it was very inspiring and, you know, definitely took my creativity to the next level, I think. How does that even work? Like, is it like a business? Like, do you go in with like ideas and oh, yeah. pitch them? Or? I mean, you know, he hadn't hired a magician to work full time in over 10 years when he hired oh, me and wow. my friends. And so... He doesn't normally hire magicians because 
so many magicians would just come in, learn all the secrets, and then go and like steal them or right. perform them or give to other people. And so that made sense. But then um, I went to his show in Las Vegas and uh, got to meet his executive producer, Chris Kenner, afterwards, who's an insane magician and yeah. creator as well. Um, and uh, this is like a really long story. No, but, no, no. It's awesome. Um, so I was in college and I was an industrial design major. Okay. So I was majoring in design. Yeah. Because that helped me learn skills and techniques for building and right. creating stuff. So with my major, I had to have a, a one semester internship. Okay. So I asked Copperfield's producer if I could have an internship nice. with them. And he said no. But he said no in a very nice way. Yeah. Uh, he, he basically said like, we don't do that because we can't have people come in for a few months, learn right. everything and then leave. Right. So that made sense. He was really nice about it. And then, uh, we hung out that night. We went to dinner, uh, me and my friends and, and him. And then what was so cool is at the end of the night, he said, uh, if you're ever in Vegas, um, don't get a hotel, call me up. And if I'm in town, you can stay with me. He's just massive yeah. mansion of a house. That's crazy. And, uh, so I was like, oh, that's really cool. Went to my hotel the next morning. I woke up and my flight from Las Vegas to Indiana had been canceled due to a blizzard in Indiana. <laughs> and so I had to figure out if I was going to buy another hotel room, uh, call home and beg my parents for more money yeah. to stay in another hotel room or like roll the dice and call this guy and be like, <laughs> were you serious last night? <laughs> like, so I did. And he was like, come over right now. Wow. So he let me stay at his place. We stayed up to like 4 a.m. jamming on magic ideas. Yeah. Just like talking about That's my ideas, his ideas, ideas they were working on. And I cannot make this up. Next morning I woke up, flight canceled again. <laughs> this is like, like 2010, 2011. Yeah. And... um it was the craziest blizzard Indiana's had since I've been alive. And it my flight got canceled every morning for five days. Get out. That's amazing. And every day he let me stay longer. That's so cool. And then on the final day, like my flight was good to go. And he drove me to the airport and he said, uh, I can't hire We can't like hire you temporarily for an internship. But if you drop, it a co drop out of college, I'll hire you full time to work no for way. Copperfield. And so I asked my parents and they were like, you got to drop out of school. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. That's so amazing. Yeah, it was cool. What a what a deal. Yeah. You drop out of college. Roller coaster. I'll take you on. That's so amazing. And yeah. David Copperfield's like the best, right? He's like, the man. Yeah. What was that? Was it fun working there? So and cool. I got to work with him and the two guys that he had been working with for 20 years. Um, Chris Kenner and Homer Leewag. Okay. Um, and they've created everything with David that you've seen in the last 20 years, which wow. is like a massive amount of yeah the best magic in the world. And so getting to work with them and be involved in their creative process and see kind of what they go through was really helpful. And then um, five of or four of my friends got brought in too over that year and we all got to work together in That's a team. So cool. And so it was just like, you know, David, you have like a group of yep. magicians. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, very like collaborative, you right. know, it's helpful to have guys to bounce ideas off of like whether they're good or bad. And, um, like with, with David and stuff, he does two shows a day, three shows on Saturday. So he does 15 Jeez. shows a week. He's the only show in Vegas that doesn't go dark. Oh my god! And so he'll work weeks on end 
and then take a week off. Um, and so we were working every day, you know, 14, 15 hour days. And so it was just like so much magic yeah, for geez. a year that it was like really, really helpful, you know, as far as the creating stuff goes. That's incredible. So you like learned a crazy work ethic. Yeah, over crazy there. work ethic. And just like the value of a bad idea, I think. Like I'm doing a show coming up in a month in my hometown that I intend on touring. And uh, I was trying to think of what to call it. And in any meeting I've had, like I've created magic for Copperfield and for Blaine and for like some other big name magicians and stuff. And in these meetings, like when they're going to hire you, they always ask like, what good ideas can you promise you'll bring to the table? And in every situation, I've said the same thing. And I think it's what's gotten me hired because I say, I promise you zero good ideas, but I also promise you that I'm the guy that'll never run out of bad ones. <laughs> and so like, I think it's an appealing thing to have in a creative jam room because yeah. the guy who gets stuck and sits in the corner quiet for days on end is not helpful to the process, but I'm like an idiot in a room. So like, <laughs> I will throw out the worst ideas like every five minutes, but because of that, those ideas will... Well, it's like the worst idea. Oh, man, I can't even, you you can't know, even think. No, like so bad that like, you know, I'll say it, but I know it's bad. Yeah. But the reason why I think it's important to say them out loud is that idea might make another guy have a good idea. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, totally. And so uh, my company is Bad Ideas LLC. <laughs> and so like That's now great. whenever I do work for somebody, they have to write a check for Bad Ideas. Bad Ideas. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> And then my show I'm doing in a month, I'm going to call Bad Ideas. That's so, so like, awesome. That's, I'm working on the poster right now. Oh, nice. And like uh, the concept of the show is just like the value of a bad idea. Yeah. So. Totally. That's totally true. Yeah. Like I feel like in comedy or like improv. Totally. You can't make a mistake. Yeah. Because you could just bounce off whatever. Exactly. Or the else. yes and game. Right. You know, like Absolutely. where you're never supposed to say no. Like it's just so it doesn't help the process at all. So let me get like an idea of like your work. Yeah. Like, you wake up and like, do you go to a pen and paper or do you like, how Oh do you... man, great question. Um, I watch a lot of videos. Yeah. Like YouTube rabbit hole all the time. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with drawing inspiration from anything but magic. Like oh. I feel like that's a big helpful. It's very helpful in my process because like, I'm not, I don't hate magic, but like, I think it's very hard to come up with an original idea by watching magicians. True. Yeah. You know, so like, I love, I'm obsessed with stand up. Like, really? Obsessed. Like, who are some of your favorite guys? Oh my gosh. Um, how long is this podcast? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 I mean, like, you, you no, no, I mean, uh, like, <laughs> can I name off thousands? Yes, um, you can. No, like, Bo Burnham. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm obsessed with, jeez, uh, Mike Birbiglia. Sweet. Um, I don't know. I, I, I watch it all. Yeah. Like even the stuff where I, I don't like, you know, so, um, just to learn the stuff you watch. do in between your tricks is funny too. Do you like, Thanks, do man. you write jokes too? Like separately from, no, I wish, I mean, or yes. Just, like, in the moment. Kind no, of? I try to write yeah. them and, uh, I, I feel like that's not my strength. And so that's what I try to work on the most are the jokes because yeah. the magic, I think, I kind of have a solid lock on, but making it funny and entertaining, 
I mean, like you could go on stage and do the craziest magic trick, but right. if the audience doesn't like you, you're screwed. But I like that character you kind of do, where it's like <laughs> you guys are totally not into this. Like, yeah, you'll like start out like a <laughs> That's little not slow, a character. and then you, you'll you'll get them though. It's amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah, I feel like uh, being a magician, especially in a comedy club scene, which is where you've seen me, yeah, is uh, difficult because. They're there seeing amazing comedy. And what's nice about the Comedy and Magic Club in Mosa Beach is it has magic in the title. Right. So, like, that's always easier than doing other comedy clubs because they're there just to see jokes and comedy. And the minute somebody comes out trying to do magic tricks, I feel like there's this weird air. Like, it's a rough transition. Yeah. It's like a different... And now yeah. time for something totally and different. And you have to win them over and... I'm of the mind that like I try to under promise and over deliver. Yeah. So like, I feel like if I come in acting like an idiot or like that, I'm not even into the trick. Right. Then I at least start on the same level as them. (laughs) And then if I can get them interested as I appear to become interested, it's easier than like if I came in like, way too excited because i see a lot of magicians right. do that and no i love that approach because like there's <laughs> if you go super confident and something goes wrong yeah. then it looks horrible exactly but if you act kind of like you don't know what you're doing oh yeah it looks amazing no it definitely helps and it even helps whenever something does go wrong because you have this built-in like uh out i guess right you can like, play it off a lot of magicians when they go in dead serious they're like you know like uh like they have real powers or something when something right goes wrong um or messes up like everybody knows you become human again yeah Yeah. but if i'm an idiot and like (laughs) there's a lot of stuff going wrong on purpose the minute something goes wrong on accident i can just yeah exactly roll with it (laughs) and everybody's like oh that was on purpose yeah you know when it totally wasn't so you know uh, michael godot yes when he comes out on that unicycle and he acts like he doesn't know how he's riding so great cracks me up but you know it's it's also interesting it's like the juggler dropping a ball theory right like the minute a juggler drops one ball you know a, a, a little bit of the audience loses like their impressed level but at the same time it immediately makes everything he does harder it looks like harder right because yeah. once you see him mess up it implies that what he's doing is really really hard yeah. and so i feel like with magic that helps too like if a magician just never messes up or makes it look too easy, you know, there's a part of the audience that's not impressed because right. it's just like, oh, well, he make that he made that look really easy. So it's an interesting balance. People like, oh, I can do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can totally. Never yeah. Because the goal is to make it look easy, but mm-hmm. if you make it look too easy, nobody's impressed. Wow, that's so interesting. So yeah, I, I never feel like about that. with magic, I mean, same thing. I feel like sometimes happens with comics. Mm-hmm. Like I'll I'll watch a really good comic and it almost feels like they're making it all up. Yeah. You know, when you see a comic get on a roll and, you know, the greatest ones, you can't tell when they're improv, you know, but like, or a massive amount of it's written. It's like impossible to tell. I think that's the number one mistake in young comics. Mm -hmm. They'll go out and they'll start talking like Bill Burr, Chris Rock, just like off the cuff. Yeah. You you don't realize like Louis's been practicing that yeah. fine-tuning it's it for scripted you. it's scripted uh improv yeah you know totally. but because of that sometimes like audience members will will heckle or like feel like they're not going to throw him off right because right. he's just talking and so it's an open conversation and i feel like the same thing can happen with magicians where like you just make it look very easy and like it's you know and people aren't impressed but the minute you mess up or like 
I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think when you do, when you engage the audience, like right away, like it's like, I say this a lot, but it's like a conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're phoning it in or anything. Right. Like you're not just doing it in front of your mirror. Right. Performing it in front of an audience. Right. So the audience is totally with you. And yep. It's, it's really engaging. And it's it's that, great that, stuff. There's a crossover there with comedy and magic as well, I think. Yeah, totally. Because with the magic trick, as with comedy, you have to rehearse your script. But with a magic trick, I have to stand in front of that mirror and do it countless embarrassing hours <laughs> to get the visual element right. And then when you go on stage, still act like I'm doing it for the first time, even though I've done it 10,000 times wow, yeah. by myself alone in my apartment, <laughs> so, which is a sad thing to think about. <laughs> Uh, another interesting thing it was written on our board. We have a board. Uh-huh. Our magical. Oh Interesting yeah. facts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. And it says you're allergic to everything. Rabbits? Yes, I'm allergic to a lot of things. Um, one of them being any animal with fur. So oh. like animals with hair, yep. like Yorkies and poodles and stuff. I'm not allergic to, but um, I grew up with a ton of allergies, and one of them was rabbits and and birds. Um, so oh, like. Yeah. I can't do, there's some famous magic tricks where a magician produces like doves right? or like large birds. I've never been able to, no, I mean like my throat would close. Jeez. And then like rabbits when I was growing up, I know a few magicians that like owned a rabbit when they were younger, like a hamster and Mm. they would pull it out of a hat and I could never do that. (laughs) And so I also think that like, it's a common cliche to do stuff with rabbits too. True, so yeah. I'm very open about being allergic to rabbits, <laughs> uh, from a, you know, like a concept point and from a legitimate health risk, <laughs> like I'm allergic <laughs> and peanuts and, uh, any type of nut I'm allergic to. Oh man. And so like when I was growing up, like I was really embarrassed by that and I didn't want anybody to know and now I think that it's such a weird thing that I have that not many people have that now I try to probably like uh, utilize it too much. But I'm trying to come up with tricks that utilize my allergies and stuff. Yeah. So you did one at the club where you had to wear like gloves. Oh, yeah. And that's like totally real. Yeah. Um, I have that over there. But like uh, I do a peanut roulette trick where I have two cans of planters peanuts, which is the brand that made me flatline in an ambulance when I was younger oh on the way God. to the hospital. Jeez. Like one handful of peanuts, uh, mixed nuts from planters and, uh, my throat closed and I had to be rushed to the hospital. Oh, man. So like, that's how I found out then. And I, I've done everything I can to avoid them so until the now. has no idea how dangerous that trick really. Yeah. <laughs> I like, be. I try to get it across, but unfortunately, you know, with me trying to be silly for most of my act, it's hard to be serious. Mm. You know, it's hard to, and I'm trying to work on that now and find the balance of how to go to different levels right? while still trying to be funny. But like, that's dead ser- deadly serious. And so like, I have to put on um, uh, a mask and gloves to set up the trick, like oh backstage. Like yeah. I can't, like one night I was setting it up and I was like, I don't need these gloves. Like, mm. I'm not that allergic. Yeah. And then my, my arm completely broke out in hives. Oh, and I had to, like, roll down my sleeves to go on stage. Because oh, like, I didn't want people to freak out. And it's pretty disgusting. But so, yeah, I do a trick where I have two cans of uh, planters, peanuts. One of them has a snake in it, like mm-hmm. a spring snake. Yeah. And the other one has uh, peanuts in it. And I have an audience member uh, tell me which one they want me to pour into my mouth. And then hopefully they point to the right one. Yeah. Otherwise, I would end up with uh, a bad situation. Oh, man. Yeah. So like that's that's my you know 
the roulette premise in magic is really, really old. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, there's an old trick where a magician has a spike under a cup. Right. And yeah, you I mix love that up one. the yeah. cups and you run your hand down. And then the last cup that you haven't smashed has the nail under it. Right. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've seen that trick go wrong before on YouTube, which oh, is horrible. No. Like, don't YouTube that. But <laughs> that there, that exists. Guys just put it right oh. through their hand. Um, and then Blaine's spin on it was great, where he just actually put the spike through his hand. And yeah, he, he that did that for Kanye. Yeah. But um, he also had them choose the cup. Yeah, too, which was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So that's a good trick. And then that that's just like. I feel like with a lot of those tricks, you don't believe that there's actually risk involved because some guys will do it with like a gun right. or like, uh, I don't know, like, a, I don't know, really, really, really deadly. And I feel like there's a portion of the audience every time that sees a roulette trick where they're like, well, this is fake. Because there's always a risk. Though, yeah, right? there's yeah. always a little bit of a risk, but there's never as much as the magician implies and with my allergies, I feel like that was my spin on the idea that, sure, like, I want it to be more believable because they would believe that I might actually do that. Right, yeah. Because all I would need to do is spit them out and, like, wash my mouth out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to die. But, yeah. like, I could really mess myself up doing totally, that yeah. trick. Um, and there is real risk involved, which is why I like it. Because I don't have to act, and yeah. anytime I don't have to act and it's real, you have much easier, yeah. yeah, than having to pretend like it's fake, or like real. Well, you got some cards in your hands, yes, right sir. I, I I always have them. Really, um, it's like a nervous tick. Is it like baseball where those guys sleep with like the yeah, ball in their hand? Totally. And... Oh, yeah, wow. it's like a like you know you need to have uh, ten thousand hours I think with a deck of cards yeah. in your hand, and so I have like there's 50 decks of cards sitting at my desk and <laughs> while I'm watching YouTube or watching TV or eating, even I have a deck of cards in my hand at all times, just because it's like a nervous tick. And also it's a thinking device. I think mm-hmm. just to have the my muscle hands, memory. Yeah. Yeah. And have my hands doing something while I'm thinking helps. Yeah. So that's awesome. But it probably sounds bad on the <laughs> podcast. So no. I'll stop doing that. Um, did you do a lot of stuff for like movies and TV shows? Um, yeah, I've got to work on a few movies. So I got to uh, create magic for Burt Wonderstone, oh, which was awesome. a pretty like tongue in cheek magic movie. Yeah. But it was meant to be fun. And then Now You See Me 1 and Now You See Me 2, I got to work on and teach the actors some magic tricks. Oh, nice. Um, and we got to actually, for Now You See Me 2, which hasn't come out, mm-hmm. which will come out in June of next year. Um, I got to create some magic that will happen in camera. So it'd save them some money on post-production. And then also like getting to work with the director, John Chu was really awesome because he wanted as much magic to happen in the second movie as possible. Yeah. So he didn't want to do CGI or green screen magic, which was cool. And then I got to work on uh, Ant-Man no the movie way. and Mission Impossible 5. That's so incredible. Both of those movies, I got what, to What did help you do on those movies? Script like? consult. So okay. it was really interesting to work on Ant-Man, especially it was more involved, and uh, Mission Impossible 5 was more of like just phone calls and stuff where they, you know, art thieves and criminals, I feel like pickpockets, there's a crossover between magic and misdirection and how a magician would think in that moment. 
and so it was really cool to get i got to work with like edgar wright and joe cornish oh wow um early stages like year two years ago yeah on ant-man whenever it was still in was still when um, edgar was directing it because i don't he didn't end up directing the movie but i got to help joe with the script sit down at marvel read the entire script wow and then give him ideas because the main character in the movie is like a con artist yeah and so um he wanted to know like is there anything in the script that's like you'd never do or are there any moments in the script where you as a magician or a thief like someone who knows misdirection would do something differently and so that was really cool to get to think about magic in that way like I love magic consulting on anything but magic as well. Like yeah. That's way more fun in my mind. That's awesome. Because yeah. you're getting to take like techniques from the magic world and try to weave them into other worlds. It's like film and all yeah. that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed. That's so, so cool. Obsessed with movies and TV. So getting to work with those guys is always really, really fun. That's rad. So you said misdirection. Are you good at like pickpocket and all that I've stuff? never, I mean like... Apollo Robbins, in my opinion, is the greatest pickpocket to ever live. And I've met him a few times and have gotten to see him work in person. And so after I feel like you see something like that, you never claim to be a you pickpocket. Yeah, like <laughs> nobody should ever say they are. But um, yeah, I know some of the techniques. Yeah. So like I've studied them and I've tried them. But again, with my character, I always try them as like a joke or something, um, which I think helps me. Because pickpocketing is a very dangerous thing to get caught doing oh, yeah. in the wrong context. I don't even know how you practice that without exactly. like, going to jail. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's really, really messed up. And uh, Apollo, you know, especially uh, is really great at it because he will tell you. He's like, you know, says he's the gentleman's mm-hmm. thief. So like he'll walk up to you and be like, I'm going to steal your wallet. Yeah. You know, and then he does a few tricks to you and then like he hands you back your wallet <laughs> and like, you know, he's not, he's doing it for entertainment purposes, right. which I think is the way to go. But I love that stuff. Yeah. Me so too. I, I've studied it enough to know it. Um, not necessarily. I don't perform it on a regular basis because mm. it, it also doesn't necessarily fit my character when I perform. Um, I don't really give off a thief vibe. I don't <laughs> think so. That would I would be like a hard fun, like silly stuff. Thanks too. man. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, what trick are you working on right now? Do you have like a, Oh man. Um, are you working on a bunch of the same? Always. Time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always working on stuff. Um, right now. Oh man. I'm working on so many dumb things. Um, and I love getting to go to like open mics and try them out because oh, that's awesome. So you just go, to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go to meltdown tonight oh, um, right. and try, uh, a new idea that I'm like 99% sure it will bomb. So like, what is it? Uh, I don't want to, you know, I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to say it, but, uh, one idea I'll tell you once the mics are cut, but <laughs> one idea that, uh, I was certain was going to bomb was this idea that I ended up trying one night at the comedy magic club and it annoyingly got the best reaction out of any trick I did Which that night. And so like along the lines of being allergic to rabbits, yeah, like this idea that a magician would pull a rabbit out of a hat. I came up with the idea of buying a stuffed rabbit yep. and putting a baseball cap up inside its, you know, yeah. handhole. And um, so I do this thing where I pull out a fake rabbit and I say, I'm not allergic to this. Yeah. <laughs> and so because I'm different, I don't want to pull a rabbit out of a hat. And I just pull a baseball cap out of its 
ass basically (laughs) and i put it on my head and i just stand there and wait yeah and like it's a slow burn because people have to like wrap their head around i just pulled a rabbit out a hat out of a rabbit (laughs) and then it got a really good reaction i love that one that's hilarious but i had that trick like for a month and i had it with me for a month and i just never wanted to do it because (laughs) i was so scared nobody was going to get it it was technically not a magic trick you know, I'm making fun of magic, and I love doing that. Yeah. Uh, any chance I get to make fun of magic, you know, or like the linking rings and make fun of, um, I love doing that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I love that one. It reminded me kind of like Steve Martin or Steve yeah, Brett, yeah. like an absurd view totally. of magic. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, too many people that try to do old tricks today in the same way they were done, unless it's done in that regard. Right. Like I'm doing this as an homage or I'm doing this as a throwback. Yeah. I feel like too many people try to perform them verbatim past them on their own in skinny own. jeans and a t-shirt today. <laughs> and it just like doesn't work. Yeah. So I like making fun of that, I think. And I love uh, following you on Instagram. Oh, you thanks, do the daily man. Magic. Yeah. I've that, been doing that. That must for be like, like such a, I would just be thinking all day. Like yeah. what am I going to do tomorrow? <laughs> oh my gosh. So I've been doing that. I think for like 80 days now. Wow. Every day for 80 days, I posted one video. Um, and it's been a creative exercise, which has been really fun. And like a few years ago, there's this amazing magician named Kalen Morelli, who's really creative. And he did a 365 project, 365 days of magic, where he invented one trick a day, which is even crazier. He, He wasn't limited to 15 seconds. So he posted them on YouTube um, but he was limited to, he, he legitimately, like I was working with him or on phone calls, Skype with him while he was doing it. He didn't like create 10 tricks and mm-hmm. then spread them out over 10 days. Like he legitimately woke up that morning and invented a trick. And I think that's too difficult a task. Yeah. So like every once in a while I'll invent a trick for the daily magic right. and put it up, which is fun. But I love performing other people's material in my own way or try to add my own spin on it. And it also doesn't dig me in this hole, like where I have to perform original material, but it's been a really fun, it started off easy and then it's gone. Like it's been a roller coaster ride. Like there's been a few days in the middle where I like panicked. And then now it's kind of gotten to the point where I don't know what I'm filming today. Um, but I have a list of ideas that I could try. Um, but I always try to come up with one that day. Um, and then if I fail, I'll go to an old idea. It's incredible. Every day I like look at Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, I got to think of another. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Um, and it just like inspires me to come up with new stuff or it gives me an excuse to come try to come up with something new. Yeah. I feel like w- before I was doing that, um, I had too much, like, you know, I just had no motivation to come up with something every day and now i do yeah um but i've never said that i'm gonna do it for a year (laughs) i just started doing it and i haven't stopped so i feel like that was another a lot of pressure Kalen put on himself to call it 365 days of magic that's true yeah the the name you gotta finish yeah you gotta finish so i'm going to not call it anything (laughs) and if i end up doing it for a year great i'll probably stop after a year but if I stop tomorrow, I don't, you know, yeah. I've never promised anything. Totally. So it's been fun though. Well, thank you so much for talking. Dude, with me today. thank you. Thank this you has been really much. fun. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Thanks, man. Yep.